Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you today for another episode. Today, we are going to be discussing the impact of divorce on attachment and attachment security in children. And my guest is going to be Elizabeth Conrath. I had the good fortune of meeting Elizabeth through being a TheraPlay trainer. We are both TheraPlay trainers and supervisors and ended up doing some workshops together in Colorado, which is where um, Elizabeth, who I usually call Lizzie, is based. I want to tell you a little bit about her. She has devoted her career to helping children, adolescents, and adults heal from anxiety, depression, adjustment difficulties, and loss. She has extensive training in trauma, particularly working with children, adolescents, and families whose lives have been affected by physical abuse, sexual abuse, family violence, neglect, bullying, and attachment issues related to adoption. She values working with the whole family system and believes that healing trauma and improving mental wellness has to be done within the whole family dynamic. She has a goal in her work of strengthening parent-child relationships, assessing strengths and areas of growth within the caregiver dyad is also a part of that. Lizzie is trained extensively. She has lots of training in play therapy. As I said, she is a TheraPlay trainer and supervisor, but she's also a registered play therapist. Another way I've been able to interact with Lizzie is in my training that I have done for the Colorado Association of Play Therapy. Lizzie's very involved in that group. So not only is she a practitioner, but she's also working to bring in training and um, skills and support to other play therapists in her state through her involvement with the Colorado Association for Play Therapy. Uh, she uses the Marshak Interaction Method, of course, lots of other play-based developmental assessments, and she believes the power of play is a means of accessing, expressing, and processing emotions to gain empowerment and control. I adore this therapist, and um, I have had so much fun getting to know her over the years. Not only is she an exceptional therapist, but she also has the most amazing sense of humor. So uh, stay tuned, and Elizabeth Conrad will be coming right up to talk with us about 
the impact of divorce on childhood attachment. Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chaddock, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. In July, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock will launch the next session of the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience and a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, to join the waitlist for more information or to sign up, visit tkcchaddock.org. Hey, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. Yeah, I think that this is such an important topic, this idea of attachment and divorce. It just has so many layers to it um, because I think there's just the tendency to minimize the impact of divorce, but then there's also this tendency to I guess we could say maximize, like no one will ever get past it. And then for our podcast today in particular, attachment ideas have really been misused in in this area too, even though there's something to think about. Um, So why don't we just start with how you decided to specialize in some of this work that you're doing particularly around contentious divorces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. High conflict. Yes, high conflict. Thank you. That that was the, the term I was looking for. The the ones that most therapists like want to just run and hide and say, I don't do that. You decide that you're going to focus on that. How does that happen, Lizzie? Oh, well, I. it's a good question. I think in the years and years ago, I was working so much with children who had been sexually abused. And what I did not realize is that what can happen is there can be an allegation from a parent during a separation or when they are filing for a divorce or they're about to have a big custody battle. And so I was getting these referrals for from one caregiver saying that they suspected the other caregiver was sexually abusing the child. And, um, you know, not, so I was not doing forensic interviews, interviews. I was doing treatment for sexual abuse. Um, and that was children. when you were at the Gill Institute. Is that when that yep. was? Okay. Yes. Okay. yes. Right. Um, yes. I didn't have really any of those cases when I worked in an agency, it kind of, you know, frankly, they, they tend to be more common with people who have more money to spend. And so when you, when I started working in a, a practice where people had more money to spend on therapy and to spend on attorneys and all those things. I started getting referrals for, for kind of specifically for that. And, um, and then, you know, it's like all of the, 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 what people say about me search, you know, because I didn't run away from it. And, and I was, I was not one of those therapists who was like, absolutely not. I will never work with those cases. Yeah. I think that, you know, sort of what happened instead is that I started, of course, getting really curious and diving in more and more about, well, what does the literature say about this and that? Um, I'm not divorced, but my parents divorced when I was a child. And 
you know, in the eighties, it was a very different time in, in Omaha, Nebraska. It was, (laughs) things were done very, very differently back then. Um, And so it's just been something that, you know, for years and years now I have kind of been more and more curious about. And then of course I, um, I'm trained in fair play. And I think the intersection of really looking at divorce through the lens of attachment is, is, you know, when I describe my caseload, which is about half of the families I work with are children who were adopted from international places and then brought into families here. And then the other half are high conflict divorces and people are often like, well, those are so different. And they're actually really very similar. There are some big differences, but there's such an overlap. The Venn diagram of the things that are similar um, is pretty big. So I think that's how I've continued to, to do it. And I understand why people don't, it's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, So say more about that overlap that you see. Well, I think one of the things that we kind of forget about with attachment is that it's not, well, there's two things. It's not just about, we we focus a lot on security, but attachment is about safety and what happens in a threat and when a relationship is severed. And so of course in, you know, when, when we have someone who grew up in an orphanage and then is coming into a family, they've had relational trauma, they've had attachment, major attachment disruptions. Mm -hmm. And actually the same thing happens with a divorce. Um, And we hope that those disruptions are, can be healed, but you know, the system, I mean, the biggest difference I think is the system for the divorces (laughs) tends to be much more challenging to work with um, as the therapist that, and, and the boundaries around how you interact with the caregivers has to be um, a lot clearer than sometimes it does in when I'm doing therapy with a family who has sought me out specifically for that. And they're much more open to the way that they're going to engage in treatment. Um, but the other thing that we kind of forget about is that the attachment, and this this might not be for you know most people who listen to your podcast, but a lot of us play therapists and child therapists look at the child and we forget that attachment isn't about the person, it's about the relationship. And so if you have a family who is going through a divorce, the parents are in a huge relational crisis. And so all of their stuff is activated. And then of course, as we know, the, whatever is going on with the parent is going to be really hard for the child to feel safe and secure. Yes. So when we think about attachment, we're talking about Bowlby's concept here of a safe haven and a secure base. And what I am getting from what you're saying is that's disrupted, the safe haven and secure base. And because Bowlby talked about the caregiver system, he didn't, he, he was talking about a whole overall relational environment, as you were saying. And so that regardless of whether you feel like you're doing really good work with the child, when that system is disrupted and they don't feel that safe haven and secure base, because they're really not going to build that with a therapist, you know, 45 minutes a week, (laughs) um, you know, that you have to consider that. So I really love how you're talking about that. And 
I know a lot of the literature, which we'll get into, also talks about this is a family. It, it, it's a whole family system thing that we have to look at. Exactly. Yes. And I think the, you know, one of the real challenges is how you work with the caregivers in that system and how important that is, because I, I certainly am a therapist who believes, I think, like you've just said, and I know that you practice this way as well. There's, you know, I don't know how I can do attachment work by myself with a child very, not very well. You know, if I'm really trying to create healthy and secure attachment patterns, I want a caregiver to, that's what I'm trying to do is so that they can do that with each other. And of course there's benefit to doing that. And we do model that individually as therapists with children, but with divorce, we're trying also so much to work with the system and still work with those parents on, you know, being the still safe haven and the secure base for the child, which is, you know, it's interesting because parents will get very, very concerned about the schedule and, you know, and, and those things do matter. But what the research shows is that it's the relationship with each parent that matters more than five, two, two, five, three, three. Right. Two, you know? And so I think that really trying to anchor into that to help the caregivers understand that and and then the boundary of and doing their own work with their own therapist which i really require for parents who come to who want me to see their children if they're going through a divorce um i'll tell them you know if you don't have a therapist you need to get one and i need a release to speak to that person because mm-hmm. this is really really hard and it activates all kinds of stuff in the caregivers and they kind of want to say go help my kid um, and I can't do that without the system also being a part of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I have this image in my mind that we're not you're not you're not trying to see kids just like in this sequestered space with you to like survive how difficult this is. You're saying I need that whole family system to work with me to help the child weather this. Exactly. And, and so that involves also some advocacy. Um, and that's the part that, you know, I think a lot of therapists, we, we struggle with that, you know, and um, it's a lot of t- extra time, but this is the work I think that really needs to happen in order to help shift because, a, you know, there's only so much you can do. You can do a, just a very small amount of work that still is valuable with just me and a child once a week. Mm-hmm. For- you know, 45 minutes if I'm being super boundary. I sometimes I'm not. <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, and then I have to clean, you know, spend all this time cleaning my room frantically before the next yes. person. Yes. But, um, and so I think that that is the, you know, the regular check-ins with parents and then parents who I work with do not have healthy co-parenting relationships. And yeah. so, um, then it's sort of double. So then I'm meeting with one and another. And so those are all these extra sessions. And then I'm also wanting to check in with um, the the parents therapist really regularly. And Mm -hmm. so a part of, you know, a part of it really is all of that extra work, but it has to happen um, in order to be able to really help things shift. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie, let's just talk about some basic things related to divorce. What 
are some of the major impacts you see in children whose parents are going through a divorce? And, you know, I'm sure that, of course, varies by age and, and all of that. But, you know, when you think of some of the things like, you know, parent may say, we're contacting you because we're getting a divorce and our child is, you know, what, what are some of the things that the children are struggling with? I do want to have a little caveat, which is that I, I tend to not see people who are um, doing pretty well, like that, who are co-parenting well and kind of on the same page that are amicable that are. So what I see um, is the more extreme end of the children being a part of this really, really intense conflict and attachment disruption between their parents. Um, and, you know, we, what we know about the literature is that divorce is not good for children, you know, it, and that can be short term, you know, six months to a year, or that can be really kind of lifelong. And it depends primarily on the way that the parents handle the divorce, how they resolve conflict, how long that conflict goes on. There's some data that says that, um, with younger children, actually, divorce has less of an impact on their relational help long term. And, and some of the behavioral issues will still come out. You know, it's harder for them to focus. They're getting up a lot at night. They're not going to sleep. You know, these are sort of preschool to elementary school aged children. And then some data also says that children who are not children, young adults who are teens whose parents get divorced also kind of struggle in a way that is you know, what the research says, it has a bigger impact. Part of it is just because I think teenagers communicate their struggles differently than little kids. And so those behaviors might look more concerning, um, you know, where they're staying out later, or they're not making healthy choices around, you know, drinking alcohol or drugs or things like that. But I do think all of it kind of manifests as there, there are behavioral problems here that are showing that this child is, is, or young adult is struggling to cope with this. Um, and then there's a lot of this loyalty bind that happens right away um, with, you know, who, and children as young as, you know, as we know from attachment, very, very young, what, what two, three years old can very clearly see what this caregiver wants and needs from me. And here's what I can provide. Um, and so they will, if you, you know, fast forward to a teenager who's doing that, they'll say, dad, I don't want to do skiing. And then they say to their mom, who's an avid skier, mom, I really, really want to ski. I love skiing so much, you know, and it's because they're just, they're not trying to lie or be deceitful. They're just trying to tell that parent what the parent wants to hear. Yes, because it's adaptive to preserve their relationship, just like attachment. But as you say that, I can imagine how that would create conflict between the two parents because they're like, no, he doesn't want to ski. Yes, he does want to ski. And then the, uh, the, the, the other parent can be like, no, you're like putting that in their head. You know, all I just, even from, and there's probably oh, that's exactly what happens. And then, and then fine, then you pay for it. And then I'm not, well, I'm not driving them up there to, you know, and it's yes. a whole thing. Yes. And what we want, what, what I'll tell parents to do is you just say, if you want to or not, it's okay. I'll talk to mom about it and we'll figure that out. You just let me know. Um, and that way, if the if the person, the child knows, oh, my parents are going to kind of talk about this and figure this out in a way that's not, well, I'm going to tell you, you know, that's just yes. kind of clear, non-emotional, then they can 
feel safe enough to just be honest. Yes. Really, I don't know if I want to ski, but I think mom really wants me to. And okay, well then that's something let's talk to your mom about, you know? Right. Um, it doesn't that's, that's something where the therapist as a more neutral person, I'm sure could be very helpful giving a space to express those types of things. Yes. And I will say I, I am, I mean, I want to be neutral that word, you know, in a sense of what I tell parents who I work with is I'm not, I'm not going to be on your side or the other parent side, but I'm not neutral. I am very clearly, this is what is in your child's best interest. And Mm -hmm. so you will be pretty mad at me pretty regularly because I'm going to be very direct with you. Um, You know, I think neutrality in a sense is like, well, you know, I don't, it's all fine either way. Um, And I'm being very clear that I'm on the side of this child here. (laughs) Um, And I think what's hard is that a lot of parents think that they are also on the side of their child. And this is the, the part with, with, when we start looking into attachment that gets a that gets really confusing because it is true that what's in the best interest of the parent also tends to be what's in the best interest of their child. So, you know, if you think about a baby who's not sleeping, like this, a mom or a dad, they need to sleep so they can be a good parent, you know? Um, and it's really important that we can differentiate though, I think in a divorce that this isn't just about, you, you know, when parents kind of do what we all do, which is we try to get our needs met in whatever ways we can, but they are masking that with, well, this is what my child actually needs. So, you know, differentiating, I think the amount of, in some ways, sacrifice we have to do as parents to say, Ugh, I really don't want to pay for skiing, but okay, like we can do, you know, I'm talking about people who have money, obviously, um, or I, I really don't want to have to drive every whatever to, to take them to ski lessons, say, but it's um, if then other parents will say, well, it's in my child's best interest that I don't do that because I'm going to get stressed out and it's going to be blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they kind of shift into now where we are actually losing what's what's best for your child. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I think even the basic idea could be something for the parent to get used to that you said, as you started this, divorce isn't good for kids. I think there was a period in history before very much research was done on this, where everyone was saying, oh, no, it's really, you know, it, it's really much worse if if you stay together and you're not getting along and 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 really, you know, it, it, it doesn't negatively impact children. And there had to be kind of a reckoning around some of that. And it it had become politically correct, let's say, to pretend that it really doesn't have much impact. So I would imagine you're just saying, yes, this can have, does have a negative impact, could be controversial to the parent. Yeah, yes. And I want to be so um, aware and cautious about, you know, how much when we're doing attachment work, how much we blame parents. Yes. So oh, this now, you don't want to shame them. You're such a terrible totally. to do this. Yeah. And I think what I, what I try to differentiate is it's not good for, it's hard. It's really hard. You know, it's hard for you as a grown up, and you have some resources, we hope, right? I mean, your brain is a little more developed, we would hope, and, and you have hopefully more support. And so it, of course it's going to be really hard on your child. 
Um, and I think that that is, it doesn't have to be traumatic though. And it doesn't have to be ongoing. If we can hopefully work to address the the system you know so it's it's sort of the the difference between acute stress and post-traumatic stress and how long i mean and then of course as we know the the how long it goes on and how able parents are are to make repairs and to say i'm really sorry that i said that about your dad that was not cool Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so Undeniably, there's probably some initial acute stress, but you're saying we can all work together that that's not like what we call chronic unresolved, you know, if we're looking at PTSD. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking also, and I say this a lot about lots of issues, but generally the children won't manage better than the adults. And when you're talking about high conflict divorce, you know, what, what's kind of happening there and and what are you having to really, what do you find yourself needing to say over and over in those situations? Like what are common themes that are important for you to highlight that our listeners should be aware of? Like, I guess part of my thought too is this may be something that you want to refer out for. This is a specialty area. So we're not saying just listen to this podcast and jump right in. But but what are some of these things that come up over and over? It's a great question. There are a lot of them. Um, I used to say something along the lines of, you know, just because they were a, a crappy husband or wife or spouse doesn't mean that they're necessarily a crappy parent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the real clinical jargon, crappy. <laughs> um, and, I'm on the edge of my seat. You used to say it, but <laughs> you're but, like, do I have to beep? I can't trust Lizzie with it. Anyway, so uh, we we might have to. I'm trying. I'm trying to filter, Karen. But you know, I think that I've realized that that is actually not. That's really triggering. It's not helpful. It's people can't hear that. And so instead, what I try to say is your relationship with your ex is different. It has to be, is going to be different than your child's relationship. And that is for a number of reasons. And anyway, so that's one kind of overall thing we can talk about a little bit more. Um, And, you know, there's lots of things I have to repeat about, I'm not making decisions about parenting time. You know, we, we, therapists who work with children are in this, especially with divorce, are in this very weird situation, which is that we are not custody evaluators. We are not making those decisions. Um, we can't, and we shouldn't, because it's such a conflict of interest. And, you know, we're really trying to hold this cocoon in a way for this child and then advocate for them. Um, but we also often have all this information that is really important for people who are making decisions to know about what's going on in this child's world. And we, you know, we, we typically are not doing parent child assessments in terms of what's going on with their relationship. Um, But we see all kinds of things and we hear all kinds of things that put us in this kind of weird spot where it's like, no, I'm not making any recommendations about parenting time, but I would like to speak to whoever is doing that (laughs) because I think there would be some helpful things for that person to know. You know, I've worked with this kid for a a year. I've seen them basically every week. And there's a, there's a lot that can happen that 
you know, I think if we're talking about someone who's doing an evaluation, I mean, they're meeting with this child and they're not trained in attachment. They're maybe not even trained in play therapy. They have really challenging jobs um, and they have a lot of work that they need to do. But so they're seeing the child, you know, maybe with one parent for 30 minutes, the other parent for 30 minutes, maybe one-on-one and that's it. So um, I forgot your, oh, going back to, yeah. So what are the things that, that, that that's one of them that I repeat all the time? Yes. Yes. Um, And then something that I started saying in the very beginning of my sessions, my intakes was that parents can count on me to be very direct and I, people who knew me when I was younger would be sort of shocked at the way sometimes I can be very direct in these cases. Um, But I think actually that gives people a sense of security around if I am wondering something, if I am thinking something, I'm going to say it. Yes. And you can feel angry with me about that. Your feelings are valid. Yes. You may not behave any way that you'd like, but yeah, you can feel however it is. And I think through that clarity, there is some transparency. um, And that way, when I also am speaking with, say, an attorney or a custody evaluator, whatever they're going to write up in their reports or report back to their client, I've already told the parents that there's not a surprise. They know I'm concerned about this thing and this thing and this thing. Yes, yes. Oh, Lizzie, I I feel like as we're at our... uh stopping point for this first part of the interview. And I get this feeling sometimes on certain topics, like, okay, this it's in the back of my mind. This should have been a series. This should have been a series. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Yes, but we could go on and on. Yes, but listeners, please join us next week. And I am going to be continuing this conversation with Elizabeth Conrath about the impact of divorce on children's attachment. Please uh, come back next week so we can hear more. And so great to have this conversation so far, Lizzie. I am looking forward to it. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 